You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And welcome into Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris. His name is Ed, and you will be joining us for the next 30 minutes for all White Sox talk for fans, by fans. 30 minutes of Socks brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions, the proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement, available every Wednesday and Saturday, everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Foundational issues, you want to check out something going on in the basement, something that doesn't look right, you got an uh oh feeling, or you just want to get a checkup. Before we get through the winter and all that frozen ground turns into wet ground and something starts seeping into your basement, the website, the phone number right there on the Socks in the Basement logo on the podcast player you are using or if you are at the website, visit them today, famws.com. Tell them that we sent you because they take money off of their services if you do so. Ed, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's jammy day. Uh, You know, it it is... It was the hard party on New Year's Eve, I'm not going to lie. When you have a nine-foot homemade oak bar, when you've gone into the bubble, as I mentioned on the last show, where we brought my parents and my sister and her family into a bubble with myself and and my my kids and my wife, and our bubble is far more secure than any of these these sports bubbles. I'm telling you right now, we're, we're far more secure than anything that they're running from the NCAA to NBA to MLB to NFL or whatever like that. The lack of hookers will do that to you, you know. It will. First of all, the thing that I'm noticing is I'm flipping through just my notes and looking over things with the team. You know, there's there's not a lot of long-term signings going on right now. James McCann got four years. And yep. other than him... They had that, that infielder, the Korean infielder that just signed with San Diego. He got four years. He's 25 years old. It was a, more of an international signing. But everybody else is a one-year deal. I think Carlos Santana got two from the Royals. But it's it's single-year deals. And then you see a thing like Trevor Bauer, it comes out over the last couple of days, is expecting $200 million, I think he said five to six years. $200 million. That's what he wants. But we're out at that point. I mean, Jerry Rice was never giving that to a pitcher. So just, you know, wave him goodbye, but but take solace in the fact that I don't think anybody else is doing that either when you look at what's going on in free agency. No, no one's offering anything right now. You've got the two-year deals that were signed. If you don't include the other international signing that happened, uh, Kone Aihara, you have Tommy Canley signed a two-year deal. Trevor May, Mike Miner, in case he also offered Carlos Santana a two-year deal. Everybody else who signed has been a one-year deal. They're all, a lot of them are depth guys. There's not, none of the starters, none of the guys that are in that top 50 list that always comes out from the various markets are, really have been signed other than McCann. You're right. And, and it kind of forces us to have a discussion, maybe two minutes on it, where we have to address the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Will there be a full baseball season in 2021? And more importantly to me, will there be fans in the stands? And that's important to the owners too because it affects their bottom line. You know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. Jenny McCarthy, not a doctor. A lot of us are not doctors. That doesn't mean I don't talk to doctors. That doesn't mean that at this point, this far into this pandemic, 
that I haven't been touched in some way by the pandemic, that I haven't been able to observe, just like I'm sure anybody else that's out there listening right now has been able to observe in their own little world how the pandemic touched them and the people that they knew. And in every discussion I've had with a doctor or just go on the CDC website, it's indisputable that the virus tends to kill people with comorbidities, pre-existing conditions, and only certain ones. And then depending on your age, you're more susceptible to death. You're more susceptible to a very bad reaction to COVID-19. Like every week I get the patch sends me an email for like local news. And every week it sends out the death toll in Illinois. And every week when you open up the story, let's say it's 105 people died in Illinois. Very tragically, very sad. But the headline could very easily read, 99 people age 60 and older died of COVID-19. And five to six others died and they had these other conditions that went along with it. And very rarely you come along somebody that had no known conditions who's under that threshold of age who passes away. I've got kids in school systems that have been going, Catholic schools have been going to school. My son Dominic goes every day. Everybody's had COVID. His friends have had COVID. Other kids that he knows in his class have had COVID. They're all catching it outside of the school and then the school does a very good job of making sure that they don't spread it inside of the school with the safety measures. My brother-in-law, his entire family got COVID in an outdoor tent after a funeral in like a super spreader event. Everybody thankfully made it through, but it could have been a disaster. But his brother and his cousins and all that, they've all gotten it. This is something a lot of people are getting and a lot of people are surviving. That's a good thing. This is not me downplaying it though. This is still a dangerous disease. Don't come at me with Chris is trying to minimize what COVID-19 is. But what I'm trying to get to here is the moment the vaccines are handed out to the older and the at risk, the numbers are going to look so much more different. And I think Major League Baseball owners are trying to figure out psychologically what will the country be like in March? Because in March, there's no way you're going to have this herd immunity that they're talking about. But also in March, you're going to have very, very low fatal numbers for COVID if they're able to hand it out to the right people. The vast majority of people will not die if they can track COVID-19, will not even have a serious reaction to it. So if you're able to address those people, in March, you could see a very different world and Major League Baseball could open up and have 25% capacity. They're selling tickets to my dad. He's got his season ticket plan. They've sold every game out of 162, but they just don't know what's going to happen. And so what we've run into is, I'm not giving multiple years away until I know what the mentality is of the world in March. Because it's not only will we see the numbers of fatalities drop dramatically if and when we get the vaccine to all these older people and we get it to these people that are at risk, but it's what will the mentality of the country be? And if the mentality is, well, look at this, we were able to call these numbers down to an acceptable level that I want to go sit outside at a ballpark and public sentiment is let's open up and they start opening up these stadiums, they'll be fine financially. But if public opinion is different and it affects their bottom line, this is why they're not committing to a lot of money. It's the, it's the dark cloud that overhangs Major League Baseball right now and the GM's trying to plan what's going on. I think they're going to play. I think they're going to play a full season. What do you think, Ed? I, I honestly think that we're probably looking at still a shortened season, a little bit of a shortened schedule. Because I, hate I think they that. will push. I hate it. 
I, I'm not a big fan of it either, but I don't think it'll be nearly what it was last year. I don't think we're going to be looking at a second training camp in July type of a thing. I think they'll push it back. I think instead of starting in March, I think we'll be starting a few weeks later. I think we'll be starting in April. But I do think people will be in the stands, and I think that the teams will still claim, though, that they are impoverished by the fact that the ticket sales are limited in scope of what they're, they've been able to offer in the past, and teams that have no right saying that, well, we're losing ticket sales because the stands will be just as full as when they could sell every single ticket in that park. They're going to sit there and go, yeah, but we haven't been able to sell all of our tickets. We haven't been able to offer them up. And I think we can all call BS on them when they do that. And I'll use the Sox as an example. In March, that stadium is not full because it sucks outside. Yeah, that get. I mean, they might actually get bigger crowds if they go to 20% because you're going to get people that are sit there and say, I haven't been able to see a ball game and I want to go. My father's like, yes. the moment I get my shots, I'm going every ball game I can go to. He's like, I'm 70. I'm getting a shot. I can't wait to go. And then there's other people who sit there and say, you know, I'm younger. I'm in pretty good health and I'm not as worried about it. They're going to want to go out and sit there as well and watch a ball game. You're going to have this section of America that's going to be ready for baseball and ready to go. And I understand not everybody's going to be ready to go. I also believe that the players are going to get vaccines. You may not know that they've gotten the vaccines, but they're going to get them. And I'm going to give you this 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 inside yes. tip here, Ed. Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you a little bit of inside information. Dad, you just heard him on the last show, tells me after the show is over, after we were done recording, he goes, you know, I could have gotten a shot the other day. And I'm like, yeah, but you're only 70. You're not in a group. He goes, yeah, but I, I got a guy. Like, what do you mean you got a guy? <laughs> of course he has one. Because I got a doctor who, you know, got a certain amount of them for the amount of healthcare workers in his hospital. And he was supposed to hand out them to all the healthcare workers. But the young women nurses, a lot of them are turning it down because they're like, well, I'm not really in a risk group. I know how to take care of myself. And I may want to have children. And they haven't been able to figure out if this will have any negative effect down the line for having children. So it was a real thing in the head of some of the nurses. And so he had 50 shots sitting in a, in a, in a freezer and he, and he's like, who wants one? Like my dad knows people who are in their forties who have gotten the shot already. So if you don't think MLB and some of these franchises are going to be like, we don't want to shut down. We don't want to have like one guy get COVID. You don't think there's going to be shots handed out. You remember, this is an industry that distributed steroids throughout itself and, and, and later acted like nobody knew about it. But everybody knew about it. Everybody knew about they'll it. They'll be distributing. They're going to be distributing vials of COVID vaccine before this starts. I believe that. That's the conspiracy theorist in me, especially after hearing that Dad's already got a guy who thinks he can get him some shots. Like that. That's we're already at that point, and it's the beginning of 2021. The black market for COVID shots. And, and the good news is too. It you know even on a legitimate level of that happening is there's now a third manufacturers had their their version of it approved i think only approved in england but it's not too long then before other countries are going to follow so i would expect you're right and i'm i may even go so far as to say they're going to flaunt it and say yes we were able to get the major league rosters the 40-man rosters for each team we were able to get them vaccinated so that we could proceed with baseball in recent history in recent history sitting presidents have stepped in for the good of baseball because it means so much to America. And I still believe that it would be something that would be considered if Major League Baseball sat there and said, we want to return some semblance of normalcy, and if you can let us vaccinate our players, 
so we can play our schedule. It'll be good for the morale of the country. And we just, all we want is vaccinations for the 40 man, right? That's not a lot of shots compared to what they actually have out there. You don't think the U.S. government might sit there and say, we did this for the morale of the country? Things like that have been done in world wars. They've been done. I would think Major League Baseball is already in talks to get vaccines or they have sent it out there through some kind of channel to owners like get your hands on some of this so it doesn't screw up your financial bottom line. Having the shutdown start late, not be able to do things, all these things affect the bottom line. And like I said, if dad's got a guy, then Jerry or somebody else, some other owner who's got oodles of money, he could find a guy. Trust me. He got a guy. If dad's got a guy, they got a guy. Steve Cohen's got a guy. Jerry Reinsdorf's got a guy. Right. It's like, now it's like, who do you know? You can get yourself a little vaccine early and, and it's going to happen. It's already happening. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's gonna help you out. Use that promo code BASEMENT, 20% off your order right now at creakybone.com. Let's take a look here at the White Sox 40 man, because <laughs> at the beginning of the of the offseason, we sat down on the show and tried to map out what we thought was going to happen. And most of what we said was true. Uh, the three free agents, of course, left down to the wind in column A and McCann and Dyson. Dyson or, uh, McCann's already signed elsewhere. Uh, options right. were passed on Gio Gonzalez and Edwin Encarnacion. And then we, so. we had four guys we were non-tendering or letting go. Yomer Sanchez was let go. And Mazzara and Rodon were non-tendered. And the only guy that actually got a tender in our original plan that we had getting non-tendered was Reynaldo Lopez. That said, we had originally that the Sox would go out and snag at least a right fielder, a DH to start the season, another bench player, another starting pitcher. And we didn't even think about closer because we were like, maybe they're planning on go. I, I, there was never anything at that time that indicated to me they weren't going to go with go in house. But now you look at the list of closers. I've added that as well. So if you look at the needs going into the offseason, six open spots, they filled two. They put Eaton in right field. They put Lance Lynn in the starting pitching role. Now you can grab yourself a number four starter, start Cease in the five spot. Let Kopech get some innings and some work after the long layoff underneath him in the minors and bring him up eventually. I don't think Crochet is going to start in the majors based upon what I'm hearing because it sounds to me like they have a plan for him. He was brought up because of the push for the playoffs. I think he starts in the minors as well because they see him eventually as a starting pitcher or they'd like to see if that's what he can be. And so I think he starts down in the minors as well. And if you're adding another closer of the pitchers, that are available to start the season in your bullpen, you're going to have Lopez, Stever, Bummer, Marshall, Fry, Cordero, Hoyer, Foster, 
Those are the main names. There's a few other ones that might float around and compete. And of those names I gave you, one of them is not making the opening day roster because you'll have right. a you'll have a closer slide into that position. So you have all this going well, and on. I, and I would say that's got to be Stever because Stever's not going to be a bullpen guy. I wonder if he'd be an interesting swing guy. Like he might start in the bullpen in long relief, but you're probably right. That's probably Stever and Foster stays on. Stever's the guy. Stever's the guy that's in AAA getting starts in case he needs to come up. I would bet Bernardo Flores gets another shot at that swingman spot. Probably. And then if he makes it up onto the team, one of those other names drops off there. So a Foster could drop off. Okay, and Flores could end up with his job. So there's there's going to be some moving parts that'll be a very interesting storyline when we get to spring training as we watch what's going on. That bench role may be filled by Danny Mendick. Okay, we, we wanted to get a strong bench guy in there. We wanted to go get somebody that could even uh, move around and, and play five, six games. But they, they like Leary Garcia, and they, they like Danny Mendick. So it's possible that they just sit there and say, we're not going to make any kind of move there. So that could be filled as well. All those things said, assuming they make the pickups that we think they're going to make, they're going to drop at least two guys off the 40-man and possibly a third. And so I'm looking at names on here, and I'm wondering your idea of who's on the 40-man right now that we're not going to see on the 40-man when all is said and done. In my one of my first uh, posts on Mismatched Socks on the, on the blog that accompanies this fine podcast, I actually ran through the 40-man as it was there. And there were two guys that I basically said were the same guy, and I actually dropped one of them off just so I could put Andrew Vaughn on because he's not on the 40-man roster. I don't think he starts on the 40-man. I think he. I think they add him when they're ready to bring him up. That'll be a purchases contract in the middle of the season and drop somebody then. That's what that'll be. Yeah, but it was Jose Ruiz that I dropped off, and my, my exact statement, I have it in front of me, was technically Jose Ruiz is on the 40-man roster per WhiteSox.com, and Andrew Vaughn isn't. But do we really need more Jose Ruiz analysis in our lives? Just see Cordero, comma, Jimmy. Right. So Jose Ruiz to me is not even a member of the team. Like I, I I'm still shocked that he still floats around on there. It's kind of like, we just want to have 40. Maybe somebody sees the potential that we used to see in him and they're going to go grab him. But I don't see how he slots on this team. Looking at the other talent. There are a few people out there like, Oh, well he does this well. Oh, he does this well. But when push comes to shove here, who else are you dropping off the team? Who are you jettisoning from your 40 man roster? Are you jettisoning Jimmy Lambert? I'm not jettisoning. I'm not getting rid of no. him. No, I'm not. Like you, I'm not getting rid of Birdie yet. I'm not giving up on Tyler Johnson. Uh, I, I, I don't want to give up on Herman Mercedes. I think he's going to actually put on another show in spring training. It'll be interesting to see what he's going to do. He, he might be a, a candidate for the roster. Are you done with Mike Rodolfo or Luis Gonzalez or Blake Rutherford? Could one of those guys be gone? Here's why Ruiz and Cordero for me are the same guy because they are actually veteran pitchers that have been signed as bullpen depth pieces, and they're guys that still, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume that they still have some options going up and down. But they're not homegrown White Sox prospects. They are not prospects. They are just guys. They were bullpen arms that were brought in to be just that, bullpen arms, primarily through a rebuild. I think they might still think that Cordero has 2019 Jimmy Cordero in him and not the train wreck that he was last year, but Ruiz is never been a guy and he's never going to be a guy. So I think he is a placeholder for a closer to come in, or he's a placeholder for another free agent signing. Uh, you know, and, and then, yeah, you look at everybody else that's really on there and they are somebody that the Sox believe in. Even some of the veteran guys that are sitting around like, you know, a, a, a Yerman Mercedes, who is still technically listed as a prospect, but he's a 27 year old 
catcher, you know, who may not be a good enough catcher to actually be a regular everyday catcher. So I don't know who that second guy is that has to come off or that third guy is that has to come off. But I do know that Ruiz and Cordero are at least two guys that should be on the bubble because they are not people that the White Sox have a lot invested in. They are guys that could very easily just sort of work their way onto a 40-man roster if they're going to pitch their way on. But I think they get dumped the second that Liam Hendricks decides that he wants to take whatever the White Sox are offering him if they are offering him anything. Well, it sounds like it's years again with him. I mean, every every rumor that I hear, every person that sends me something, any, any person I, I talk to about this who's around the team, this sounds like this is all about he wants one more year at the, at the price. And the Sox don't want to commit that. He, this has always been a Jerry Reinsdorf thing. He hates giving up that. He hates giving pitchers years. Because the thing that burns him the most is having to pay for a guy that isn't on the field. That drives him nuts. It drives him nuts, and and he's seen pitcher injuries in his times in his time as the as the owner of this team, where he's paying somebody who's not out there, and he hates that, hates it with a with a burning passion. So it's a very difficult thing to get him to sign a guy for long term as a pitcher. I don't hate that he thinks that way because I can see where the dead money would would piss you off if you're an owner, but. There are certain times, too, when I also happen to agree with it. And Liam Hendricks is one of those times. Liam Hendricks is a guy who's on the other side of 30 who has a couple of really, really great years under his belt and a lot of eh years under his belt. So I don't know that I would want to give Liam Hendricks a five-year deal to be a closer when I don't think he's proven enough. I think if he's going to take a two-, three-year deal, I think you jump on him because he is the hot hand right now, and bullpen guys are a fickle thing, but... Uh, if he's asking for five years, four years, I think you can start to question that back end, and I think you can wait him out too because I also think that there's other guys that are out there that, frankly, they're not as sexy a name as Liam Hendricks, and I mean that in every way you can possibly think of, but they are certainly guys that can come in, do the job really, really well, and if they get outpitched by Cody Howard or they get outpitched by Aaron Bummer for the closer role, I'm not going to shed a tear either, right? Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Oh, well, you got I mean, think about the guys that are out there. Let's be honest. They're, they're, it's okay for the White Sox to say this is the best that we're going to give Liam Hendricks. We think this is a little bit of an overpay, but it's worth it because we want to get our guy. But there's a limit. There's a limit to everybody. If, if they can't come to an agreement, there's still, like you said before, Kirby Yates out there. I wouldn't mind seeing a Brad Hand back there at the end of I my, Brad Hand. My, my, my bullpen. Uh, Alex Colome could still come walking back in the door, and I don't think it would kill you. Uh, it would be disappointing because you kind of wanted an upgrade, but I don't think that would destroy your hopes 
as a White Sox fan if you were able to go out and if you just re-signed him back onto the team. So there's a lot of different options that are out there. I mean, what's the Pirates guy, Kella? He, he's out in the wind. So there's there's arms that are accustomed to sitting at the back end of a bullpen and closing games. And a closer's mentality is an important thing because you never know if a guy can do it until he goes out and does it. But there's a lot of guys who have done it before that are sitting out there. And there is an abundance of them almost. And I don't think there's going to be a big market for closers because I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams going for it. And you don't waste money on a closer if you're not going for it. So the White Sox, I'm sure, have a limit when it comes to Hendricks. I want to talk, though, you said Ruiz, but who else would they drop off of that list? Because right now I look at it and I see this Emilio Vargas that we picked up, remember? We grabbed him off off of waivers, but he could be right back out the door. Yeah, he could go. Yeah, Zebi Zavala and and Yerman Mercedes could be literally a coin flip right now. Like, one of them's staying, one of them's going. And I don't think I would be upset if Zavala left at this point. They are the same guy. They are the same guy, but Mercedes is, I think, the more interesting hitter at this point. I think so, too. I think Yerman is the guy I would rather have over him. You're not going to get rid of Sheets and Berger after you put him on the 40-man to protect him just last month, are you? That'd be kind of weird. No, because I think they expect Sheets to be somebody that's going to come up and help him in the future, and I really do think that they believe that Jake Berger is going to get over all these injuries and come back and be a useful hitter. He is actually... If you think about it, he could be a dark horse guy if they don't sign a DH. He could be a dark horse guy to hit his way into the DH role for the start of the season. He could very easily be a guy who hits his way into there. We've heard it suggested before on this show that Jake Berger could be one of those guys that ends up being like a second baseman that gets you a bunch of home runs in the second base position and you kind of eat his uh, defense a little bit before the for the uh, amazing offense that he could end up giving you. You know, I mean, everybody's in love with Mandrigal and I, I think he's a pretty good player. But there's, there's a lot of different places where he could end up in his career, and it's, it, it hasn't been written yet what he's going to be. I mean, right now my list is, is that I think Ruiz and Zavala are gone and Vargas, if I had to pick three. If I had to pick my top three coming off the 40-man, because I think you're going to have to open up at least three spots here before this is all said and done. Those are the three that I'm shaving. I, I, it's really hard for me to give you an alternate on that because it, I just I don't see where you're going to just let some of these guys that are on here go who are still prospects, even though you've got, for example, a glut of outfielders like uh, Luis Gonzalez and Blake Rutherford and Micker Adolfo who are, you know, blocked right now by... They're not blocked by anybody. They're blocked by a lack of talent. Come on now. At this uh, point, at this point, Micker Adolfo is blocked by an inability to stay healthy and produce enough to be able to make it into majors. It's not because somebody's holding him down. We had to go out and get an outfielder in the offseason. All right, so it's not like anybody's blocked. If they were good enough, they'd be up by now. If Blake Rutherford was good enough, he'd be up. He'd be penciled in as a starter in right field. We wouldn't even have been looking for a right fielder. Okay, if Luis Gonzalez, if Luis Gonzalez was as good as everybody who loves prospects drools over him and thinks that he's going to be, he could be something. Then he would be somebody that we'd be talking more seriously. I, I think the White Sox, if somebody knocked on their door right now and said, "We're willing to give you uh, a pitcher." that you could slot in the back end of your rotation because we just have an abundance of them or we're looking to start to rebuild or we like a couple of your prospects. And they sit there and they tell you that they would like to grab a, one or two of those outfielders I just mentioned and let's say a Jimmy Lambert. Sox pull the trigger every time. 112% they do. So these guys, are not, these guys are not building blocks. They're guys that you hoped were going to work out and haven't. And until they have some magical spring training or incredible year in the minors that changes your mind, all of them are just guys at this point. 
Well, that's what I was going to say is they're, they're really blocked by another guy who's just a guy in Adam Engel because they're all fourth outfielders, fifth outfielders who aren't going to make the team because the White Sox outfield has actual major league talent in there. And you're not right. going to bring these guys up to ride the pine. And Engel's a better player. Engel brings you more. He brings you speed. He brings you defense. He's, pr- he's proven that. And now he's starting to figure out how to hit. I'm glad he's back. Yeah, he's he's actually a nice little player. And I, I become a big Adam Engel fan after not being a big fan a, a couple years ago of him because I felt like this is just a this is just a dude. And when we're good, he doesn't even make the team. But Adam has continued to improve his craft. And I, I think he's a, he's a little spark uh, in that lineup whenever he gets in there. And that's why you're not going to sit there and say, okay, well, Blake Rutherford, we still believe in you, but you're going to get some some time on the major league bench to watch and get a few at-bats and try and no, figure this stuff no, out yeah, he's not because you have that. a real legitimate major league outfielder. I actually believed it last year when there was the Clevenger talks when they were saying that the Indians were interested in Engel as one of the pieces because I think there are some teams on the rebuild that would look at Adam Engel and say, all right, well, you know, maybe this guy is a guy that we get a couple of years out of and then we turn him around into something else if we need to add another piece. There are a lot but of your, teams. There are a lot of low-level teams right now that would take an Adam Engel right now and put him out there in the outfield. and He'd be every, an everyday player on an another An everyday team. player for them. Now, these are not good teams. But there's everyday roles available for Adam Engel right now in Major League Baseball. He'd be the starting he'd be the starting center fielder in Pittsburgh right now. That's for sure. It, Pittsburgh would take him. They take anybody right now. They're Pittsburgh terrible. would. Oh yeah, Pittsburgh will take anybody. But <laughs> when you said you know, would some team sit there and, and and take Jimmy Lambert and a couple of these outfield prospects and turn us into a pitcher? The Pirates are exactly who I'm thinking of right now. Right, you can go get Joe Musgrove right now with that package. Did you see the Pirates move just the other day? They they picked up. Two guys that don't even rank in the top 100 of MLB prospects. Two guys that were, they, they try to sell it off as like their third and sixth best, the third and sixth best guys in the Nationals organization. Keep in mind, the Nationals minor league sucks. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they acquired to get Josh Bell. But in reality, the moment they became part of the Pirates minor league system, one guy became the 17th best guy in the Pirates minor league system. The other one dropped the seven. And that, that's how bad a caliber of player they'll take right now. They'll t- they don't, they're not looking for a top 100 MLB prospect. I can't believe the Sox are knocking on that door right now saying, we got a couple guys we can give you. None of them are top 100 prospects, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you guys out. We'll give you three, four pieces. Right now, we'll take, we'll take Joe Musgrove. Slot him in as a four guy. I take him. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.